Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's nice to see you here. Nice to have you online. A pleasure and our privilege to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who loved us so much to send Jesus Christ, the King of Kings himself and Lord of Lords, to die for our sin. Words of comfort can be found in many places in the book of John. Let me read some from chapter 14 to, to get us started. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am, where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, wonderful words here, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You're wondering how to get to God? Can he be reached? It's through Jesus Christ who was and is and forever will be. He is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's take the time right now to bow your head. If you're saved, thank you. Thank him for saving your soul. If you're here this morning asking, am I really a Christian? Do I know him as my rescuer, my savior? Maybe today's your day. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Let's bow our head. Father, the more we learn from your word, the more we realize just indeed how sweet Jesus Christ really is. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father, that's, that's who he is. And his words of comfort, his words of joy, his, his words are endearing. They're ones that, that give us hope and keep us moving on, Lord. They're, they're eternal because they are from God himself. Thank you so much for these, these truths. Help us to think about them more this morning and help us to worship you. You alone are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing this morning to the King of Love.
Jesus as king, sometimes it's easy for us in our culture to think of him as, as president. And indeed, in our culture, the president historically has been the most powerful person in office. But would you ever bow down and worship for our president? No, 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 never, never. A king that was required throughout history and currently is often today that you will bow down before him. Jesus Christ is the only one worth bowing down before because he was the only one that would come and save us, common citizen, even more so citizen that was guilty of every crime, and he still did it. So gladly, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess for all who know Jesus, and even if they don't, it still will happen, but we worship the King of Love this morning. So we sing to him and we crown him with many crowns. See you, church. Round him with many crowns.
righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's not my faithfulness. All I have is His. All eternity. Let's crown Him. Pastor Mike and worship team for leading us in song this morning. It is good to know that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And 
we will gladly bow before him someday in honor and respect and gratitude uh, for what he has done for us. So we gladly sing those songs this morning. Well, we want to welcome you if you are here with us for the first time. Uh, so glad that you're here with us. If you're joining us online, maybe for, for the first time as well, we welcome you also. However, if you are here in person, we encourage you to stop by our Connection Corner in the back after service. Uh, there's some information about the church. Uh, we'd love to connect with you um, and uh, get to greet you and meet you. Uh, so take advantage of that this, uh, after the service. Uh, of course, following the service this morning as well is our Sunday School Hour, and they can direct you as to uh, where you might be able to go for that or where your children might be able to go. Um, just by way of... Uh, some announcements here this morning we want to bring to your attention, and this is specifically for the guys. Um, Saturday mornings, um, we are going to resume the Iron Sharpens Iron Bible Study. All right, and that is, um, well, if you want to come for coffee and donuts, you can be here at uh, 745. Uh, the start time for the Bible study is 8 o'clock. Um, it's a 10-week series uh, by David Jeremiah. Uh, the title is, Where Do We Go From Here? So we encourage you guys to come out to that. If you regularly come out to that, um, we want to encourage your continuing, continued uh, attendance. If you've never been out, guys, we encourage you to come out. It's a great time. Um, it's a time of uh, Bible study, discussion, getting to just have that fellowship together. So we encourage you to do that. Also, we want to remind you that the annual business meeting is Tuesday at 7 o'clock. We strongly encourage you to be here. Um, this is your opportunity to kind of know what's going on in the business of the church. And uh, so we strongly encourage you to be out here Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Pastor Don. Let's stand for prayer. Father, it is a joy to be together this morning to worship you, to fellowship with one another, to encourage one another. We thank you for that opportunity. We just ask, Father, that you would continue to bless us as a church as you have over these many years. We thank you for this past year, for the meeting of our needs, and as we prepare for our annual meeting on Tuesday, we just ask, Father, that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would receive our direction and guidance from the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. I pray for our meeting on Tuesday that uh, the decisions made would be according to your will, the officers elected would be the ones of your choosing, and that we would be in a place of your blessing and in a place in our own individual lives where you can guide us and direct us according to your will. So we just ask for your blessing upon us as we come to our business meeting and as we prepare for this coming new year. We thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you have laid before us. May we buy up every opportunity that you do give to us to, to manifest your love to those around us and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we recognize that uh, we are to be light and salt in this world, and yet so often it is, it is very easy to be led by the lust of this world, to fall to the temptations of this world. It's very easy to become entangled with the affairs of this world and to lose sight of eternity, to lose sight of your will, and to humble ourselves before you. And so I pray, Father, that 
we would not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Even in our study this morning, Father, we, we're going to be looking at the words of Christ that he shared with the disciples the night before his crucifixion. And he was saying some things that brought great fear and, and troubled hearts, even as Mike read from John 14 this morning. They were sorrowful, and yet Christ gives to them words of comfort, truth that has not changed in the last 2,000 years. Words of comfort that apply to us as we live now in this world. And I pray, Father, that we would take those words of comfort from Christ and that we would apply them to our lives and that we would live our lives in a manner that would be pleasing to you and in a manner that would indeed be light and salt in this world. Certainly, Father, within our own country, we recognize that there is much that is taking place that is contrary to your word and contrary to your truth. There's a lot of anxiety on the part of many, and it is your word that can bring comfort and peace. It's your word that can bring joy. And as we think of of our own country, we recognize even this past week that there was a bill passed in which it was simply stated that a baby born, even though it was through a botched abortion, baby is born alive and it was a bill to simply protect the life of that baby born alive. You would think that there would be no one that would vote against that and yet over 200 of our representatives voted against that bill. Father, we just see evil in our world, we see evil in our country. We pray, Father, though Roe versus Wade was overturned, that battle for life is not over. We pray even for the pro-life march today in our own county at the county courthouse. We just ask, Father, that we would do our part in protecting life. For indeed, life is a gift from you. It is sacred. And it is our responsibility to do what we can to protect that life. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Thank you for sending your Son to save us so that we could have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'd ask that you would help us even this morning to focus our attention upon you, to worship you, to rejoice in you, and to examine our own hearts as we walk with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. 
past the point of waiting Come let us bow before your throne We will meet in the golden city In the new Jerusalem All our pain and all our tears Will be no more We will stand with the host of heaven And cry holy is the Lamb We will worship and adore you Never can the powers of darkness Neither death nor even life Let nothing ever separate us From the Holy Lamb of In the new Jerusalem, all our pain and all our tears will be no more. We will stand with the host of heaven and cry, Holy is the Lamb. We will worship and adore you evermore. We will In the new Jerusalem, all our pain and all our tears will be no more. We will stand with the host of heaven and cry, Holy is the Lamb. We will worship and adore you evermore. Father, thank you for the truths we can sing this morning, whether we're listening to and receiving and worshiping along like with Mac or the ones that we have sung and will sing, and your promises are sure. We will all meet together one day. Praise you, Father, for that. We praise you for that. That's only a work you could do. Until then, you hold us fast, and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's sing one more time together, dear ones? One, two, three. He's promised to hold us to him. He holds us fast. Let's sing. When I fear my faith will 
Beautiful. Amen. Let's be seated. Thank you, dear ones. Would you turn with me, please, to John chapter 13? The Gospel of John is a favorite to many. We recognize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is unique. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they relate to us many of the same accounts in the life of Christ. John has some of the same accounts, but also relates to us some unique accounts from the other Gospels. One thing we recognize in the Gospel of John is the first 12 chapters, there's 21 chapters in the 
Gospel of John, but the first 12 chapters cover his three and a half years of ministry on earth. Chapters 13 through 17 only cover about three and a half hours of his life. Chapters 13 through 17 cover for us from the Last Supper up until the time of his arrest, the night before his crucifixion. That's, that's only, you know, roughly speaking, three and a half hours. So we have 12 chapters covering, covering three and a half years. We have five chapters covering three and a half hours. And then chapters 18 through 21 cover about three and a half days, the time of his arrest and, and crucifixion and resurrection. And so it's kind of lopsided in that sense, if you will, but certainly John recognized that there were some things we needed to know, especially during that three and a half hour period, from the time of the Last Supper until the time of his arrest. And he, he spends five chapters covering three and a half hours. And we want to look at those five chapters this morning just as kind of a, a, an overview in the sense of, of Christ's words of comfort. Christ has been saying some things to the disciples that were rather disturbing. They didn't understand all that he was saying, but they understood that uh, it wasn't good. We mentioned this last Sunday night as we looked at John chapter 14, the first few verses, that the disciples were, were troubled in their heart because of some of the things Jesus was saying, even though they were confused, they didn't understand everything he was saying, they understood enough that it wasn't good. And so in these chapters, Christ gives words of comfort. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you so much this morning that we can come to your word and you've preserved for us these words of comfort that Christ gave to his disciples. And again, we're reminded that these words of comfort are still true today. They're still words of comfort for us as we continue to live our lives here in this troubled world. And I pray, Father, that we would apply your word and your truth to our lives this morning. Encourage us. Strengthen us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For us to understand these words of comfort from Christ, we do need to have a, maybe a fuller understanding of the mood that the disciples were in at this time. As I said, Christ was saying some things that were, were disturbing. They didn't fully understand it, but they knew it wasn't good. Well, let's look at some specific things that, that Jesus was saying. We, we need to know their mood so that we can understand why Jesus was giving them these words of comfort. First of all, we see in, in chapter 13 and verse 33, Christ says to them, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you. What's he saying to these disciples? He's in essence saying, I'm leaving you. I'm going away, and you can't come with me. That would be disturbing, wouldn't it? I mean... Put yourself in the place of these disciples. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had given up their livelihood. They had spent time with Him. They had, they had left their families behind and had followed Jesus, believing He was the Messiah, believing He was going to throw off the Roman oppressors, believing they, that He was going to establish His kingdom. And now all of a sudden He says, I'm leaving and I'm going away and you can't come with me. 
They didn't understand all that was going on, but they knew that wasn't good. They were indeed feeling abandoned by Christ. Go to chapter 14, verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. The prince of this world comes. In essence, he says to them, I'm going away and Satan is coming. That had to be real encouraging, huh? (laughs) I'm going away. You can't come with me. And guess what? Satan's on his way. He's coming. They were feeling abandoned by Christ and attacked by Satan. Go to chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, the world therefore hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. He says, the world's going to hate you. The world's going to persecute you. It hated me. It persecuted me. It's going to hate you, and it's going to persecute you as well. They were feeling abandoned by Christ. They were feeling attacked by Satan. They were feeling alienated from the world. This was not starting out to be a great day for them. We read then in chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Because they are feeling abandoned by Christ and attacked by Satan, alienated from the world, they were troubled of heart. Notice uh, verse 27 of chapter 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. They were fearful of heart because of what Christ was saying. Notice chapter 16 and verse 6. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. They were sorrowful of heart. And so just, again, I... I, want to try to put us all in the place of the disciples. They had, they had forsaken everything to follow Jesus, the Messiah, the one who was going to, going to establish the kingdom and, and reign according to the promises of the Old Testament. And now Jesus says, in their mind, I'm going to abandon you. Satan's going to attack you. The world's going to alienate you. And that was causing a troubled heart. It was causing them to have that fearful heart, that, that sorrowful heart. That's the mood that we find the disciples in. And as we continue through these, these five chapters, and we recognize there's a phrase that's repeated four different times. Jesus says this, These things have I spoken unto you. And then he says why he has said these things. These things have I spoken unto you. And, and we want to zero in on, on that thought this morning, those four phrases These things have I spoken unto you. Four times that's repeated. Jesus says that to his disciples and then explains why he's saying what he's saying. These things have I spoken unto you. First, you can expect a life of support. 
go to chapter 14 once again. You can expect a life of support. Verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being present with you. Let me just stop there. He says, I've spoken these things while I'm still with you. He's already told them, I'm going to be leaving and you can't come with me, but I'm speaking these things while I am still with you. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. Christ assures his disciples that though he is leaving them, he is not abandoning them. He tells them that he will send the Holy Spirit to support them. That word comforter, many of you recognize that's the word paraclete. Comfort is part of that paraclete, but the word itself simply means to be called to the side of. It's the idea of just to be called to one side to help, to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen. Particularly in this context, he's called to their side to teach them all things and to bring to their remembrance what Christ had told them. And so it's just the idea that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is going to come to to be a support, to be an encouragement, to help you. And so he says, "I, I am leaving you, but I'm not abandoning you. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit's coming and he will continue to support you even as I have. In fact, in verse 16 of chapter 14, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Another comforter. That word another is very important here. The Greek language had two words that you would translate another. One word was alos, and the other word was eteros. Alos referred to Another of the same kind. Eteros referred to another of a different kind. I have two books here. I have one book and another book. But they're not of the same kind. This is the Bible. This is a hymn book. So they're both books. One of another one book and another book, but they're of a different kind. That's the word eteros in the Greek. I have two books. One and another. But it's another of the same kind. It's hymn book. Look the same. And so that's another of the same kind. Well, guess what word Christ uses here? When he says, I'll send another comforter, another helper, another supporter, it's the word alos, another of the same kind. In other words, he's simply saying, the Holy Spirit, when he's come, he's going to support you just like I have. He's not going to be different than me. He's going to be the same. He's going to give you the same support as I have given you. And so the comforter, the helper, the supporter, the encourager is another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit would be like Christ in His support. I'm not abandoning you, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit's coming and He will support you just like I have. In fact, go over to chapter 16, verse 7, and I know some of you have, have seen this before. 
But in verse 7 of chapter 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. He says, it's expedient that I go away, that I leave you. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. That word expedient, and again, your translation may use a different word. It's the word to advantageous, beneficial, profitable. Get what Christ is saying here. It is beneficial for you that I go away. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. It's beneficial, it's advantageous for you that you have the invisible Spirit in your presence rather than the visible Son in your presence. Whoa. That doesn't seem right. I bet if I took a poll here this morning, every one of us would raise our hand. I'd rather have the the physical Son than the invisible Spirit. But Christ says, no. No. It's more advantageous, it's more beneficial for you that I go away, my visible presence not be with you so that the invisible spirit can be with you. That's to your advantage, Christ says. Far from abandoning you, I'm actually going away for your advantage. We think, well, how? How is the the presence of the invisible spirit more advantageous than the presence of the visible sun. Well, I'm not sure I can fully answer that, but I can say this. It takes more faith. And the more faith, the more growth in our lives. Hebrews tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. The only way we're going to grow is by faith. And the physical visible presence of the Son, the disciples didn't need a whole lot of faith. The disciples really grew when you get to the book of Acts. Christ isn't there anymore. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and and Christ told them that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and, and they would receive power. And it is in the book of Acts where they had to begin to exercise faith that they really grew. And they really accomplished great things for God. And so it takes more faith to have the invisible spirit than to have the visible presence of the Son. And in that faith we can grow. And so Christ says it's advantageous for you that I go away. It would actually be advantageous for the disciples, for Christ to go away so that the Spirit could come to them. He says, I'm speaking these things to you so that you'll know that you can expect a life of support even though I'm leaving. Chapter 15, verse 11, he says, You can expect a life of shared joy. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. He says, I I am leaving you. I'm going, and you can't come with me, but my joy is not leaving you. My joy will remain in you, and not only will my joy remain in you, but my joy will be full in you. You know, Christ made the statement in, actually it's in Psalm chapter 40 and verse 8, it's a, a quote from that messianic psalm. 
And so it's really a quote from the Old Testament of what the Messiah would say, Christ. And in, Isaiah, in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8, the Messiah, Christ says, My delight is to do your will, O my God. My delight is to do your will, O my God. Christ's joy was doing the Father's will. And if Christ's joy is going to remain in us, guess what? We have to do the Father's will just like Christ. He's our example. He found great joy in doing the Father's will. That's what gave him joy. If we're going to have joy, if we're going to have full joy, we're going to have to be like Christ. Our delight, our joy needs to be found in doing the will of the Father. Disobedience to the will of the Father can bring temporary pleasure. As many of you know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the pleasures of sin. But it's the pleasures of sin for a season, just for a short time. The pleasures of sin don't last. The joy of Christ, the joy of doing the will of the Father, that'll last. It'll remain in you, Christ says, and it'll be full in you. Disobedience can certainly bring some pleasure but it cannot be a remaining joy that is full. And Christ says, I'm leaving you, but my joy is not. You can find joy in imitating me by doing the Father's will. In chapter 16, in verse 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. He's speaking there of his upcoming crucifixion. There's going to be some sorrow. The world's going to rejoice over that crucifixion. You're going to sorrow, but he says, You shall weep and lament, and the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned unto joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And you now, therefore, have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man takes from you. He contrasts the joy of the world with the joy of Christ. The joy of the world is temporary. The joy of the world is fleeting. The joy of the world is, is only for a season. But the joy of Christ remains in you and no one can take it from you. No matter what the world may do, no matter what the, the world may, may, may attack us with, His joy remains in us as we seek to do the Father's will. So Christ's joy was doing the will of the Father and we can share in His joy and have a full joy as we are obedient to the Father's will. There is the joy of Christ, and there is the joy of the world, but the joy of Christ cannot be taken from us. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain in you, and that my joy may be full. Words of comfort. When, when the, the disciples were sorrowful, because they, they were feeling abandoned by Christ, attacked by Satan, alienated by the world. And yet Christ says, you can have a full joy as you follow my example. He says you can expect a life of struggle. He doesn't promise a bed of roses. 
Look at chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time comes that whoever kills you will think of that he does God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father not, nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I have told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. He says, I'm telling you these things because I am leaving. And I'm just forewarning you that yes, things could get rather difficult. The world's going to persecute you. They're going to throw you out of the synagogue. They're going to disassociate with you. They may even kill you. Persecution is going to come. Earlier on we read where, where Christ said that, that the world's going to persecute you. The world's going to hate you. They felt alienated by the world, but Christ says, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to fear that. I'm telling you these things in verse 1. He says, so that you'll not be offended. The word offend there is, is actually the Greek word skandalizo, from which we get a word scandal. And it's really the idea of to stumble or to fall. So I'm telling you these things ahead of time so that you don't fall, so that you don't stumble when those struggles come. You know, if we know a difficulty is coming, if we know a trial is coming, we can better prepare for it. And the better we prepare for it, the less likely chance that we're going to stumble or fall in that trial. So Christ says, I, I, I didn't tell you these things at the beginning, but I'm telling you now because I am leaving you and I'm just forewarning you, prepare yourself. If you prepare yourself and you know it's coming ahead of time, you won't stumble, you won't fall in your walk with me. And so Christ assures his disciples that though they would be alienated by the world, they need not stumble in their walk with him. Knowing ahead of time that struggles are coming helps us to prepare so that we can be victorious over those struggles. Again, as you go back to chapter 15, he says, if the world hates you, verse 18, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If it hated me, it's going to hate you. If it persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. For my name's sake. I'm with you in this. The struggles are coming. But you know ahead of time. And by knowing ahead of time, you can prepare for it. And be assured that I'm with you in it. It's for my name's sake. If it's for his name's sake that we're being persecuted, he's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us to our own devices. He is in it with us. And so... Christ told us that the world would hate us and persecute us, but it is helpful to know that we are in it with Him. Notice chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. 
the world. He said, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. You can expect a life of security. That word peace uh, is a word, you know, in the Old Testament, it's that word shalom. It's more than just, uh, more than just a, a peace of heart, but it's just, uh, it's security. It's the idea of, of just being healthy and secure and, yes, peace of heart and mind, but it's broader than just that. It, it's just a, a sense of security. He says, you can expect a, a life of security in me, you can have this peace. In me, you can have this security. In the world, there's going to be tribulation. He just said that there's going to be some struggles. But knowing ahead of time, you can prepare for it. And as those struggles come, you can have a security and a peace in those struggles. Why? Because I've overcome that world. I've been victorious already. And in me, you can be victorious also. You don't need to fear that world. You don't need to have that that sorrow in the heart because the world is alienating you. You can have a peace and a security because I've overcome that world. I've already been victorious over that world. That world that's going to persecute you, that world that's going to hate you, I've already been victorious over it and you can have that same security in me, that same peace in me. Christ assures His disciples that though they would be alienated by the world, they would be secure in Him. Knowing that we are secure in Christ and that He has been victorious over the world, we can be confident and courageous in the midst of our trials. Notice He says, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. That's how the King James translates it, be of good cheer. The word there is be courageous, be confident. I've overcome that world. I've already been victorious over that world. You will be too. You have that security. You'll be victorious over that world also. So be courageous. Be confident in those struggles. Don't stumble. Don't fall. Face those trials with, with security. Face those trials with courage and strength and confidence. Because you will be victorious as I have been victorious. And that's his comfort to them. Are you experiencing that life of support? That life of shared joy? Life of struggle? Life of security? You know, right after Christ just speaks here of this, uh, this security, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Then we come to chapter 17, and it's that high priestly prayer of Christ. And in that high priestly prayer, Christ says some very interesting things as it relates to our relationship with the world. In chapter 17, in verse 6, I have manifested your name unto the men whom you gave me out of the world. We, as believers, have been given to Christ by the Father, and we've been given to Christ out of the world. Verse 11. And now, I am no more in the world. He's already said, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be in the world. But these are in the world. So he says, these disciples, his believers, they've been given to Christ out of the world, but they are still in the world. Verse 14. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. We've been given to Christ out of the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Verse 15, I pray not that you should take them out of the world. We've been given to Christ out of the world. He says that we are still in the world. He tells us that we are not of the world, but he does not pray that we be taken out of the world. But then in verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Think that through. We've been given to Christ out of the world. We're still in the world. We are not of the world. We're not out of the world physically. In fact, he has sent us into that world. That world that's going to hate us, that world that's going to persecute us, that world that doesn't want anything to do with us. He sent us into that world to be a witness for him. And he has given us these words of comfort as we face that world. And we can have that, that, that life of support and that life of shared joy and that life of, of, of struggle, yes, but with confidence that we don't need to fail in that struggle. We'll be victorious and have that security in Him that we will overcome the world. Words of comfort to the disciples in a very challenging, difficult time. And words of comfort to us in the challenges that we face today. Indeed, are you experiencing that life of support? Share joy. Struggle with confidence in that life of security. These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus says. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for these things which Jesus has spoken unto us. Words of comfort, words of encouragement. Words that certainly strengthen us as we face the challenges of life. You've not promised that there'd be no challenges, but you have promised victory. You have promised that, that joy. You've promised that support. You've promised that security. And I pray, Father, that we would indeed find great comfort in those truths this morning. There is no reason that we as believers should not be those who are experiencing full joy in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of the trials of life. May others see that joy in us and know that we have, indeed, the Holy Spirit in us, bearing that fruit of joy in our lives as we humble ourselves before you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. we can help you in any way, please let us know. We are here to be a 
encouragement to you, a help to you as we seek God's truth in his word. Let's stand together. We rejoice this morning, Father, in the opportunity again to come together to worship you. May our fellowship be sweet in your eyes. We thank you for your truth. May we apply it to our lives as we leave this place this morning. Guide now in the Sunday school hour to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. May God bless you.